Hello and welcome to The Silver King's War. I'm Michael Sievers, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Today we begin the Silver King's letters, dearest ones, from May of 1945. His unit has moved from A-72 north of Paris into Holland at Venlo, and he's living in a wooden shack, and as he describes it, of course, feeling lucky because a lot of the guys are living in tents, and the weather has been difficult. As he writes to his family from Venlo on May 1st, 1945, dearest ones, since writing last, there haven't been any new developments of which I can write. All of us are still sweating out the end of the war and waiting anxiously for good news. Unfortunately, the rumor of an unconditional surrender hasn't bared fruit. I was afraid it was too good to be true, but I simply can't understand what forces the enemy to continue resistance. They must truly be ignorant of the situation, and it's causing me, for one, very impatient days. I suppose I possess the same feelings as a man who is about to become a father, never knowing when the great event might happen. I do feel terribly lonesome today. This morning, two of the fellows left to return to the States. They had been my roommates since the first day of my arrival over here. One was my ex-pilot, and the other was the assistant operations officer of whom I have previously written you about. We had become so attached during the many months, I feel sort of lost without them. They were two swell fellows and as good a friend as anyone could possibly want but they deserved to go home after being here for 14 months, and both were captains, too. In one of your letters, you asked for information concerning the whereabouts of Fomby. I had no idea his father would write you, and I didn't want to write you about it. But since you know now, I can give you the whole story. If you will take a look at my crew picture taken while at Barksdale, the boys with me are the ones in question. Upon arrival here, I was replaced by someone else for various reasons. Then, one day, the boys failed to return from a mission. No one knows exactly what happened to them, whether they are dead or prisoners of war. That's why they are listed as missing in action. I can't give you any more information, for that's all we ever know. If they were taken as POWs, their parents will be the first to know. I suggest when you write that you say nothing of this. Tell them you know of nothing more than what his father wrote, as most assuredly you don't want to build up what may be false hopes. I received no mail the last few days, so I don't know if you're still in Chicago or what your plans are. Anyhow, 
I'm sure this will be forwarded to you in any event. I'm anxiously awaiting to hear all the details about your visit. A request. Please send me an assortment of foodstuffs with stationery and stamps. I'm fine and thinking of you constantly, hoping you're well. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you, Stan. Stanley, as a Air Corps veteran now, does a nice job of explaining to his mother about what happened to the guys who he trained with at Barksdale in Shreveport, Louisiana. They crossed the ocean together, got posted to A-72, and then he was moved up, and someone replaced him as the bombardier in that crew. They went MIA in mid-February of 1945. Of course, Stanley is writing to his family on May 1st, and correctly wasn't going to divulge anything to his parents until the war was over. But Jim Fomby's dad has written his mother a letter, and Stanley has advised her about what to do. And he writes to his family from Venlo Holland on May 3rd, 1945. Dearest ones, from the stationery, you will know I have received one of your packages. Most welcome it was, too. A month in route isn't bad, either. The chicken and cheese were absolutely delicious, and I do thank you for it. Also, I do wish you would send more of the same. You'll notice I'm not being stingy with my requests any longer. I also have three of your very sweet letters, as recent as April 17. You were surely excited about going to Chicago, which is easily understood, and I suppose by the time this reaches you, you will be home again. It's a shame your visits have to be so brief, but I can understand why you don't want to be separated. The house must be awfully lonesome when it is empty. Maybe someday soon, You'll never have to be alone again. It's hard to believe that Margie is already six months old. Time surely does fly. It seems like only last month that I received the news of her birth. At this rate, she'll be quite the young lady before I ever see her. I surely hate to miss these months when she must be so adorable. You'll have to write me all the details since I can't be there to see for myself. I surely hope she has some hair by this time, and you're able to take some pictures. I'm crazy to see what she looks like. The weather continues to be lousy, and I'm thankful for this shanty we have. I'm spending all my time reading, writing what letters I can, and listening to the radio as I imagine most everyone is doing these days. Every time there is a news flash, my heart jumps into my mouth with the expectation of peace being disclosed. The suspense and anticipation is terrific among all of us. Now that Hitler and most of his cronies are dead, surely the chaotic climax 
can't be far off. It's only the waiting now that is so hard to take. We're still restricted, so there really isn't much of interest I can write. I'm fine and thinking of you constantly, hoping you're well. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you, Stan. Our hero, the Silver King, is working hard to remain patient as he writes within days of what will be the end of the war in Europe. He doesn't know that yet, but he imagines it to be coming soon. And he's steady, as always, on his requests for more food and stationery. And he's thinking of home as he writes to his family from Germany on May 7, 1945. Dearest ones, you're probably wondering why, since I have so much free time, I'm not writing more often. I suppose I really should. As it is, though, the situation remains the same since the day of arrival. Thus, I'm at a loss for writing material, and my letters will more than likely be repetitious, but it's to the best of my ability under the circumstances. I do feel guilty after receiving so many letters of yours. The mail has been excellent since being here, as I have all your letters up to and including April 27th. It's grand receiving all the news, especially the ones telling of Chicago. You really had a grand time, and I'm so glad. Tomorrow you will be leaving. I know how you will hate to go. It's a shame you couldn't have stayed longer. You certainly made me envious of the places you went, but I'm glad you wrote about them, because I sort of feel I was with you and enjoying it as much. It's swell Aunt Sylvia was able to get there. You must have had a wild time together. She wrote me a letter and at the time doubted if she could make it, but I'm glad she changed her mind. I hope you were able to take some pictures. Being all together, I'm anxious to see the children, how they have grown. They must be adorable. I was terribly sorry to hear of Leona's trouble with her toe. I was totally ignorant of it also. She seems to keep events from both of us. Thank God she is well now. Now that summer is near, perhaps she and the kids will manage to keep well. I do hope so. Thanks, dears, for the $50 bond. I do appreciate it more than I can say, for you never should have been so generous. Instead, I wish you had added it to my allotment check, which you have promised to keep. I'm glad you will do as I asked and use the money. Now I can hardly wait to see the pictures. Hurry, won't you? And thanks again for being so sweet to me. I do love you so. It's a beautiful day, a real change from what it has been, and more than welcome. As I suppose you are, I'm sitting next to the radio, listening and waiting for that all-important announcement. I feel sure it will come today, maybe within the next hour. I know how happy you will be, and you can be assured my feelings will be the same. 
I can't describe what it feels like to know I won't have to face the enemy again. It is something that has no words for it. It's more or less like awakening from a dreadful nightmare. And as I sit here, I thank God over and over again for his protection and guidance. So before very long, I'll be on my way home again. It won't be tomorrow, next week, or next month. But one day, I'll be traveling in your direction. And just be patient until then. And console yourselves with the fact that I'm safe and sound. Please keep well and have a drink for me. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you, Stan. Our hero, the Silver King, has written a letter that is dated May 7th, 1945, on the day of the announcement that the war in Europe was over. As he was writing, he imagined it. He didn't know it yet, but his anticipation was mixed with an amazing amount of relief and an acknowledgement of what he thought was God's role in keeping him safe and alive during the war. And of course, he encouraged his parents to be both patient and ready to appreciate the news over a cocktail. As he wrote to them on May 11th from Germany in 1945, Dearest Ones, I certainly have neglected you this past week, and I apologize. However, under the circumstances, I'm sure you'll forgive me. And two, considering the events that have taken place, now that this war is actually over, you must be as happy as I. Still, it is difficult to realize it's over. I was right in saying the anticipation was greater than the realization. The act of peace was taken calmly by all here. Of course, we all got tight, but there wasn't any presence of an air of celebration. Personally, I had thought that I would be elated beyond words when the end finally came. But to the contrary, I didn't feel anything at all. The only explanation I can offer is that the War in the Pacific is staring us in the face, and it isn't a pleasant sight. You're probably anxious to know what will happen now, and I wish I could tell you something definite. But I'm as ignorant of it all as you are. At the present, we aren't doing anything, just waiting for something to happen. So don't expect me home anytime soon. I'll probably see the summer through before returning to the States. Just be patient and console yourself with the fact that I'm safe. I'm so glad Johnson was able to talk to you. Before he left, he promised to call or see some member of the family. It's a lucky break you happened to be in Chicago. I, too, am sorry you weren't able to meet him as he is a swell fellow. I really hated to see him leave. We'll close for now, hoping you're well. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you, Stan. P.S. A very happy Mother's Day, Mother dear. 
I'm sorry I can't send you any flowers. Our hero, the Silver King, writes with relief and acknowledgement of the work that it took to end the war in Europe, his war, and that when he and his guys got the word, they got tight, which is no surprise. But as he described it, they were acknowledging what it took without gloating over what it meant. And we have reached the end of part one of the Silver King's letters, dearest ones, from May of 1945 in Europe. The European Theater of Operations is ending its official war activities, but there's much work to be done in the post-war phase. And you are listening to The Silver King's War.